Hi, I'm Will Roadhouse, and welcome to another episode of Expat Thailand. Today, I'm going to talk about something that's very interesting on my analytics and how that applies to you, especially when it comes down to future planning. Every single morning, I one of my routines is reading about financial news around the world. I love to read about the macro economy, what different economies are doing around the world, and then I kind of whittle it down to different domestic uh, reading about different domestic economies, especially in Western countries. And the last thing I like to do is look at my analytics, especially when it comes down to my podcast channel. So my main podcast channel is out of Anchor, and from Anchor, which is owned by Spotify, pretty much distributes and streams via my RSS feed to all the other major streaming apps from Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, uh, Amazon uh, Music, which you can also play on Audible, and obviously Spotify. And when I looked this morning, I noticed something different. I've been seeing this change. So right now, my largest demographic that listens to and subscribes to my podcast is between the ages of 45 to 59. And then my next largest demographic is between the ages of 28 and 34. And then my third is between the ages, which is in the middle, between the ages of 35 and 44. And here's the interesting thing. My lowest demographic now are the individuals that are 60 and above, which is shocking to me. And I saw this number dwindling over the years, but now it's my absolute lowest. It's at 2% now. Before, it was ranging... It was like in that in that 50 to 55% about, let's say, 10 years ago when I started my podcast on SoundCloud. And then from there, it just started dwindling. And then pre-pandemic, it was still in the 30s, and then now I'm down to 2%. And I have theories of why I have a, an increase in listeners in a specific demographics and why 60 and above are decreasing. So... To kind of back up, if you don't know my background, uh, prior to starting my business, uh, I was a vice president of wealth management services for a major financial institution. I covered 122 branches in pretty much all of LA County, <clears throat> managing for very high net worth clients, uh, roughly about 100 families, uh, and we had roughly about 950 million under management, so just under a billion. And this was back in the late 90s. So when I left my job and started my business, Compass Group International and then Roadhouse International, we started looking for basically a place other than the United States where you can have your beach, you can have a higher standard and quality of living at a fraction of price. And obviously that was our neighbors down south in Latin America. So I started my business in Costa Rica. And our business primarily is working with top real estate developers in Latin America, whether they're locals or from the United States or Canadians or Europeans, basically building communities that were solely intended for expats coming from North America, so from the United States and Canada, and, and a little bit coming from Europe. The majority of our buyers and our demographics that we targeted were from, coming from North America. 
And back in those days, um, there were some, so during the heydays of obviously real estate boom, um, you know, it, it was just a crazy real estate market. People were doing cash out refis and, and, and buying homes in Costa Rica free and clear. So one of the reports that came up from AARP uh, showed a very skewed number. We thought it was very skewed back then, which was a large percentage. And they were talking about just the United States of millions and millions of people from 60 and above or 58 and above that are planning to move abroad. And my team and I looked at those and we're like, ah, we, those numbers are definitely skewed because we're working this every single day. And only half of the people that were really looking at these properties were 60 and above. Majority of them were in that 45 to early 50s. So about 10 years ago, uh, so after the real estate crash of, of 08, um, we had obviously flattening of the market and nothing was happening. No one's buying anything overseas. Uh, took some time off from my business. And then our developers started calling us back up saying, okay, we have all this inventory. Will, what do we do? And based on our studies, we were telling them, and we told this over 10 years ago to all of our developers. Number one, what we need you to stop doing is we need you to stop marketing Stop spending all this money marketing to people and individuals that are 60 and above because they're not coming. And here are the reasons why. The reasons are, and I'm going to go into a lot of details, but I'll just kind of give you a 35,000 feet overview. The reasons why is at that age, when you're 60 years old, you're kind of already set. You're set in your ways and a lot of things become inconvenient. So have you noticed that between the ages of when you're in your early 20s, then you get to your 30s, 40s, as you get older and older, doing things that you thought were easy or, or you are willing and opening to do when you were younger, soon become inconvenient as you get older and older. You don't want to move as much. You don't want to do things as much. Maybe you become more of a homebody. You have less friends. You talk to less people. You have a closer knit of friends instead of the hundreds of acquaintances that you used to have. You just kind of start downsizing. And that's the one thing when we were talking to potential buyers, that's what these individuals that were 60 and above were telling us. We see this as an inconvenient move. <clears throat> we would love to move down there, but number one, uh, we're not willing to uh, go through all the inconveniences of cleaning out our house, putting our house for sale, and then making a move down there. And then in addition to that is when you're at that age, you start having grandchildren. And they don't want to be away from their grandchildren. So family becomes a big issue. So fast forward to now, why I feel that that demographic has shrunk down to 2% of my listeners is everything I just named, but also these things, which is these individuals hoped that they have saved enough money. So obviously they weathered through many, many down markets, not just this uh, 08 crash, the tech 
the tech crash, the dot-com crash, and then the commodities crash, and then so forth. There are a number of different crashes they went through, but they're still able to weather the storm. And by maybe putting more money away, uh, buying equities, balancing a portfolio, <clears throat> they thought they saved enough money. But then when you fast forward to now, over the last two years, how the world economy has changed due to this pandemic, business is going bankrupt, and now we're seeing the highest inflation rate in 30 to 40 years, and we see no end in sight, food costs is rising, uh, supply chain issues, I mean, it just goes on and on. Now I'm, I feel that the individuals that are 60 and above that do want to move can't because they feel that they don't have enough money. But here's, here's the one ironic thing about any of those individuals that are listening to this. The ironic thing is, is that some of you feel this inconvenience of, I don't want to do this. I should move to a different country because living in the States or living in Australia or living in the UK, I'm going to outlive my money. So I should be moving to a place maybe in Latin America or even to, better yet, to Southeast Asia like in Thailand. But for some reason, you have this block. You have this block because you don't have enough money. You're going to outlive your money. You feel that moving is not going to solve your problem. But it actually is. And then also your, your hesitation of selling your home, selling your possessions, if anything, just give it away, you feel this inconvenience that you don't want to move because it's a huge inconvenience. And then also, obviously, your grandchildren, maybe they're a little bit grown now, you don't want to be away from them. But what I'm trying to say is, is that now more so ever, is that due to increase in, in inflation, in prices of your standard of living, so your quality of living is going down and down, and then the devaluation of your currency, so whether you live in the United States, it's the dollar, or if you live in, in England, it's the pound, or some EU country, the value of your fiat currency is buying less and less. And these are all the reasons why you should be moving to a place like Thailand, because your money's gonna go 10 times further, and we don't have these kind of inflation problems. So now back to the younger demographic. This is a lesson learned for, for many of you. The folks that are in their 60s, that are now 2% of my listeners, are not listening because they feel it's too late for them. Bad planning, bad financial management, made bad decisions. No fault to them, but they just made bad decisions. So. If you're in that 28 to 34 demographic and, and why your demographic is increasing and also why the 35 and 44 is slowly increasing, it's because these are individuals that, are, that have been early enough to spot these trends and are making their plans now. My largest demographic is the ages of mid-40s and 50s, so 45 to 59 is the largest demographic of listeners. These are individuals that they see retirement five to 10 years, 15 years down the road, and they're saying, oh my God, uh, we made some bad financial decisions. We need to make better decisions now. 
and we need to look at our personal finances and we need to make changes now. So this podcast, this episode is to talk about, I I don't want to put the fear in you, but I want to kind of flick on that light bulb, flick on that switch to let you know that if you're not planning about your retirement now in your 20s, 30s, and 40s, by the time you get to your 60, where most people think, okay, that's, that's around time I'm going to start planning for my retirement, it's too late. You're too old. You're too tired, you're frustrated, and you have too many family ties that you don't that you feel you can't get away from, that you don't want to remove yourself from. Where when you're in your 30s, 40s, and 50s, you can start making decisions now and slowly make this transition where other family members like your kids or or whatever immediate secondary family already know that you're living abroad. That's why many of our clients that we sold in Costa Rica were in that 40 to 50 year old demographic. They were inviting their kids to Costa Rica and then their grandkids bringing them along, getting them accustomed to it, getting them used to it, making this transition slow. Folks in their 60s are like, they they feel that this is so, and it is. I can't imagine being in my 60s, worried about my finances, panicking, saying, I've got to sell everything, and my husband and I, we have to move to a different country because we can't afford to live here anymore. So all I'm saying is, when you're in your 20s, 30s, or 40s, start making your decisions now. There are, over the 20 years of doing this business, A lot of the individuals, I would say 50% of the individuals that I talk to are in their 30s and 40s. And they're saying, I'm not ready to make decisions now, I'm doing my research, but maybe I'll look to buy something down the road. But all I can say is don't wait too long. If you're 35 years old, it makes sense for you to buy a property, let's say here in Thailand, Start making a slow transition. You don't have to, you're still working. You don't have to move here full time. Spend some time here. When you're not here, rent it out. But at least you have already have one foot out the door. It's your plan Z. Or maybe for some of you, it's your plan B or your plan C. But you have to make the transition now. You can't say, I'm going to think about it later. Uh, I'm just shopping right now, but I'm not ready to make the move. But lo and behold, it's five years, it's 10 years, you still haven't made the move, uh, you're making less money, your savings are dwindling, inflation's going up, the value of the dollar is buying less, and all of a sudden you're 60 years old and it's too late. This is something that I have seen from thousands upon thousands of people over the 20 years of doing this business. Obviously, I am not the only company that does this. There are other firms that do what I do that specialize in Latin America. Some specialize in Europe. Obviously, I specialize in just one place now, which is Thailand. Because of all the places that I've been to, is searching for my piece of paradise, whether it's in Latin America or Europe, Thailand's the best place. 
So if you're someone that feels the same th same as I do, I bought, I started living overseas tw over 20 years ago. And my family already got used to it. Actually, it's my family the ones that got me started on this because they already, we already were bouncing back and forth from Asia and the United States ever since I was a kid. So I got this idea from them. And the reason why I felt compelled to do this episode is I was talking to a friend of mine and I was telling him about this statistic. I'm like, I can't believe that just not too long ago, my biggest demographic of listeners are now my smallest and at 60 and above. And he said exactly what I said. He's like, well, maybe <clears throat> it's because many of them have not made the right financial decisions. They're having to go back to work. They can't retire. Uh, they maybe have to move in with their kids. Uh, maybe they have grandchildren and, and, they don't, and they don't want to be away from them. So just from someone that's not in the business, he figured this out right away. For someone that's been in this business that sees this basically day in and day out, and I, when I told my developers this, the funny and ironic thing was they didn't listen. So they continued spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on marketing to 16 above baby boomers and got zero sales. When I told them they should be marketing to the millennials and the early gen, gen Xers, they would have generated more sales. But it's a whole other story. So number one, if you are under 60, the very first thing you should be doing is doing your research like you're doing now, figure out where you want to be. Do you want to be in Latin America? That's fine. If you want to go to Latin America, that's great. Go. If you want to go to Asia, great. If you're going to go to Asia, come here to Thailand. If you want to do, if you live in the UK and obviously you're used to and you've always looked at Southern Europe, like in Spain or Italy or in Portugal, great, do that. But, and again, I feel it's a bad idea. Listen to some of my other episodes because it's not as cheap as you think it is. But make the decision now. Buy your homes now because you never ever know what's going to happen to your finances five years from now and 10 years from now. Some, another black swan event, like another catastrophe, like this coronavirus can happen again, wipes out your business and you're back to square one and you're 55 years old. Could you imagine being 55 years old having to start your life all over again? Well, during this pandemic, millions of people had to do that. Millions of people thought that they could retire. The market was doing great. Equity markets, crypto markets, uh, real estate markets, bond, everything was hopping, everything was great. Then this pandemic came, and there are people in their 50s and early 60s that were ready to retire, but lost everything. So that's a, that's a black swan event. So that's why you should be planning now, not waiting. Well, well I'm just shopping right now, and I'm going to figure this out later. That's fine. But as long as your later isn't going to be 10 years from now. As long as your later isn't going to be when you hit 60. If you're in your 30s, okay, wait a couple years. Do more research. But as you get closer 
to that ripe old age of 60 or in your late 50s, your window starts to shrink. Because when black swan events happen and it changes the macroeconomy and the microeconomy for the worst, where we're looking to go into another recession here, world recession, are you ready to start all over again at the age of 45 years old, at the age of 55 years old, at the age of 65 years old? But if you start planning now, start traveling to these countries, start getting accustomed to these countries, it's not going to be as scary as it would be if you had to do it at 60 years old and you're forced to do it under harsh conditions. What I mean is under panic. Well, when you're in your 30s and 40s, you can start taking your time. Maybe you're going to go visit Costa Rica. <clears throat> Maybe you say, okay, well, Will was in Costa Rica, and I hear a lot of great things about Costa Rica, but he's not there anymore, but I'm going to go check it out anyway. Great, go check out Costa Rica. Check out Belize. Uh, go to South America. Check out Colombia. Check it all out. But whatever you do, make your plans now. Because when you wait, all you're doing is letting your retirement slip by. Nothing is worse than not being able, being too old to work, being too old for anyone to hire you, and your social security or any sort of pensions that you have it's just dwindling and paying you less and less every single year. Where when you retire, okay, you're going to have to make some sacrifices. But can you imagine making sacrifices every two to three years to a point that maybe you're only eating once a day? You can only go to the hospital if your life is dependent on it? Or cutting back on more nutritious food? Having to move to a place where you don't want to live, those are serious sacrifices that people are doing today. That people today, so for an example, I know of a widower where her husband uh, was the breadwinner in the family. Very affluent family, uh, worth quite a few millions. I would say just, I would say just under three million. I would say between two to three million dollars was their family net worth. He passed away very young, and this woman basically had kids that weren't very supportive of her. They are very selfish. So she basically lives alone. And uh, I know there are individuals that have tried to help her, but because as, her, as she ages <clears throat> and her mental capacity slowly diminishes, she starts losing money starts giving money to the wrong people. Uh, expensive jewelry, accidentally throws it in a trash can, uh, gets it stolen from a maid. Uh, it just, these things happen every single day. A lot of people may ask, uh, why, why don't you have a, why don't you have kids? Actually, you're not asking this. My friends have asked this to me. They're like, why don't you guys want to have kids? What are you going to do when you get old? Who's going to take care of you? And that is a question that uh, everyone asks us. 
And my wife and I, our reply is, is number one, is that we choose not to have children because we choose to focus on ourselves and our relationship. And there's nothing selfish about that. To make sure that we have a wonderful marriage, to make sure that nothing gets in between that, to make sure that we are always open to communications, and also make sure that we always remain best friends. And we don't want any outside influences. And we know how hard, and especially myself, with being with all my friends that are married with children, married, divorced, and remarried several times, and taking advice from them, telling me the same exact things. Well, uh, if I could do it all over again, I wouldn't have children because having children is one of the most difficult jobs. It doesn't come in the instruction manual. It's one of the toughest jobs we've ever had. And uh, it's not just from one person. I've heard it from all of them. And uh, so instead, it's not like we don't like children, but instead we focused our attentions on helping other children, orphanages. So making money the idea is to make more money so we can give more money to orphans, uh, to individuals that are neglected, which are children, <clears throat> people with mental health issues, and senior citizens, and also animals, dogs. Those are the four types of groups that we want to help and that we continue to help. So... There's nothing selfish what we're doing. We're just doing it different. But back to, so who's going to take care of you when you guys get old? And our reply to these individuals is, should the time come that we can't take care of ourselves, we would be extremely well off where we will have hired help in our home, whether it's live-in nurses, or whatever it may be, but we will have enough money to take care of those kind of things. So that's not going to be an issue. And most people, they're kind of surprised. They're like, oh, yeah, didn't think about that. Because when you think about at that age that you're bedridden and you need help, obviously you're hoping that you raise some good kids and you're hoping that they're not going to neglect you they're not going to throw you some nursing home or throw you some, uh, some hospice care and just wait for you to die and get your money because it's always a crapshoot if your kids turn out to be good. No matter what great parents you are, it's the outside influences that can change your child. Every parent knows that. And I've seen it firsthand with my friend's kids. They're great parents, but their kids just turns out to be just not what they wanted. So it's a crapshoot. But I know that as long as we're doing what we need to do, we're investing, we're making the right financial decisions, we're not overspending, when that day comes that we are too old and we need assisted living, we will have more than enough money to have that taken care of for us. And that is guaranteed. There is no guarantee that your, chi your kid is going to take care of you especially in Western countries, which is very shocking because in Asian countries, Latin countries, when parents get old, they move back home. Kids take care of their parents. That's just what you're supposed to do. But in Western standards, kids want to throw their kids, their parents, into 
hospitals, convalescent homes, hospice, because they don't want the burden, uh, which is extremely selfish and, and, it's, and it's horrible to think that way. So again, doing a total 180. This analytics that I looked at today was an eye-opener for me to relay this information for the people that are subscribing, people are listening to this. It is never too early to look at retirement. It is never too early to start planning for retirement. And especially, it's never too early to buy a piece of property in the place that you think that you're going to retire. Because let's say that you have chose Thailand as a place where you want to retire and you're 35 years old. You're not ready to retire yet because you and your wife are still working. You still have young children. So what that means is, let's say that you buy a beautiful beachfront three-bedroom condo that now costs maybe a half a million dollars. By the time you retire, it would be over a million dollars with the same equivalent in, let's say, California is like four times the amount, so you're still saving money is that you can use this home as your, as your vacation home because every time you come here, you're getting, you're getting more familiar with the area. You're getting to understand the culture. You're getting used to it. And your family is getting used to it. So it's not such a, such a sticker shock saying, oh, we're moving to Thailand because we can't afford to live in the States anymore. When we're doing that next year, Instead, you're slowly making this progress. I have some very, very good friends from high school, and uh, they, they raise, they're raising an amazing child, uh, just an amazing child. And he's, you know, I've told them many times, I said, you know, your son is just going to do amazing things. One thing they've done is uh, they're both educators, and they have taken their son everywhere around the world everywhere they even go as far as to because they're definitely foodies going to one two and three star Michelin rated restaurants around the world and have taken their son there too so he understands good food and he's experienced good food as a child he's experienced more than most adults in their lifetime in travel and food and experiencing and immersing themselves in cultures. So when they moved to Thailand, uh, they came here briefly for about a year or a little less than a year. Because they've taken him and they've opened the doors to him, every country they go and live in, he assimilates himself. He's not closed-minded. He's completely open-minded to this. So right now, you may have some hesitation. You may have some hesitation from your wife. You may have some hesitation from your kids. But if you're saying, like what I suggested to many of my clients, buy this home as a vacation home. Come here on vacations. Come here four times a year, two times a year, three times a year, even one time a year, that's all you can do. And the rest of the time, have it rented out and generate income. But get them used to it. The individuals in the past, I remember this one family, uh, we bought them a beautiful home in this gated community in Costa Rica. 
Uh, it's a large home, and it's not too far from the beach. And when they bought the home, their kids loved it. Loved it. They went on summer vacations, they would invite their other friends to come. And their other friends are telling their parents, we want a home in Costa Rica too. So all I can say is, is that, yes, I'm a little biased towards Thailand because if you have walked around my shoes in the last 20 years, seen what I have seen, experienced what I have experienced, you would know that Thailand is the best. Uh, there are other channels that I've watched, podcasts that I've listened to, where people are touting Southern Europe, Latin America. Uh, if you listen to my podcast, refer back to them. There are many reasons why Southern Europe is not a good choice. There are many reasons why uh, Latin America is not a good choice. But if you walked in mile my shoes, you would realize that Thailand is that security blanket that I have, that my family and I have, that regardless of any black swan events, whatever happens, we're fine. The only catastrophic thing that can happen is there's World War III and freaking first world nations were dropping nukes everywhere. We're all effed, so it doesn't freaking matter. If there's World War III, it doesn't matter where you are on this planet, we're all effed. So who cares? I don't think about that kind of stuff. You know, all this talk about World War III because of Putin and Russia and Ukraine. And I remember one uh, news reporter, uh, maybe it was a news reporter, an article that I read, said, everyone's fear of World War III of a nuclear war has everyone stressed out. But what people don't realize is what's to be stressed out? Because if it happens, it happens. We're all done. And I agree. I agree with that article. I agree with that report. So you just need to carry on and do what you do. And what you need to do is not worry about what the world is doing. Instead, you need to make the efforts of protecting your family, protecting yourself, protecting your family, protecting your friends, protecting your environment, because that is what you can control. Too many people spend too much time trying to control what they can't control. You may be one of them. I learned that lesson a long time ago. I can control where I live. I can control how much money I make. I can control when I want to work. My, my wife and I both have that control. And Thailand gives us that freedom. If, I were to, if we were to move back to the States and have the same finances, right now we would still be comfortable, but any slight changes in the US economy, we would be worried. So we don't have that peace of mind. Here in Thailand, it doesn't matter. It does not matter what any country does, whatever. We are safe and sound. We are taking care of the rest of our lives. We're going to eat good, we're going to live well, vacation well, everything's peachy. Do you have that peace of mind? Even individuals that have a net worth of seven to eight figures still don't have that peace of mind. In fact, most individuals that I know that are worth at eight figures, 20, 30, 40 million, actually have more stresses and feel that they don't have enough money because they've racked up a lot of debt, especially a lot of debt on the corporate side. So on paper, they may look like they have a lot of money, 
but in liquid net worth they don't. And again, that's other podcasts I've done about that, so I just kind of searched my prior episodes. So I, I hope you found this to be enlightening and you found this to be helpful. Do what you need to do what's best for you. People like myself, influences out there, take everything with caution and then do your own research. You know, for someone like myself, like I said, as I, I've been doing this for 20 years. And then when I see other individuals popping up doing like YouTube videos about living abroad and, and, and wealth planning abroad, and I see like they have maybe one or two or maybe five years experience, yes, they may know what they're doing, but something this specific, you really need have to have time into it. Time is going to truly understand what is needed as an expat. Because I made that same mistake in Latin America. I took the knowledge I learned in finances and in personal investing in real estate, took it to Latin America thinking that that was just the cat's meow. That was just the best freaking place there is. There's nothing that can beat Nicaragua, Costa Rica, Belize, Colombia. I mean, all these places. And then when I really dive deep into it, living there for over a decade, where a lot of these people can't even say that. Over a decade, working with locals, working with top real estate developers, working with thousands upon thousands of buyers. And again, these people can't say that. Then you get to realize what's really behind that, what is really behind the needs of a typical expat. And when I figured that out, that's when I found Thailand. And that's why it checks off everything in my list. And it's not because I'm Asian. Yes, I'm Taiwanese, Japanese, but I am 100% American. I grew up in the United States. I only speak one language, and that's English. And obviously I don't have an accent because I don't speak any other languages. I'm as American as you can get. But I chose Thailand. I chose this place. I didn't choose Mexico, even though I've been going there most of, almost all of my life. And I always thought, my brother and I always thought that Mexico is going to be where we're going to retire and that's where we're going to buy a home. And there are reasons why I didn't choose Mexico. Even Costa Rica. I did own property there. There's a reason why I sold all of it and left there 10 years ago. Just refer back to my prior podcast. So do your research, but take everything into consideration, but don't etch it in stone. Do your own research. Do what's best for you. Don't let someone else convince you of what they like just because they may have you know, a couple hundred thousand followers or subscribers. They may have hundreds of thousands of views on YouTube. Does not make them an expert. Please, please remember that. It does not make them an expert. The worst right now, the worst criminals when it comes down to influencers are both on a financial side and a crypto market because there are a lot of scammers out there but also health and fitness influencers. As a health and fitness professional, so I have been a certified personal trainer for since I was in college, and I still am, I still have certifications. 
and watching these influencers do what they do just to rack up the views and every single health professional and fitness professional that's been doing this for decades will tell you the same exact thing. Many's influencers are just complete BS and it's not true. The same goes when you are looking and researching other influencers about expat lifestyles. How long have they been doing it? How long have they lived there? I've seen some, I've seen some of these influencers they basically skip around every three to six, nine months or a year. I'll tell you one thing, living in a country for one year, that does not make you an expert. It does not make you an expert. Living in a country for 10 years, then that makes you an expert. I lived in Latin America for over 10 years. Over 10 years. Thailand, I've been here for 10 years. Over 10 years. That does make me an expert. And being in the financial industry for 15 years, working with affluent clientele and their finances, that also qualifies me as an expert. I understand wealth management, I understand estate planning, and I'm an expat myself. So I'm walking a mile in their shoes and they're walking a mile in mine. So choose who you follow, choose who you listen to, because not everyone is going to give you the right information. There is another firm that pumps out this newsletter. I'm not going to say who they are, but you know who they are. They pump out this newsletter, all and, and, and primarily they love to sell Latin America. They've been doing this for 20 years. Love to sell Latin America. They have the testimonials and all that stuff, but lo and behold, we don't realize as many of these projects they actually have a financial interest in. And they just keep pitching Latin America, pitching Latin America. But they're very, very one-sided because they're selling their own projects. Or they're selling projects from friends or financial interests or whatever it may be. I don't have any of my own projects. I'm not a developer. I am an expat from Southern California, from Newport Beach, that grew up in Tucson, Arizona. And I'm looking, and I was looking for a place to live to give me the same quality lifestyle of Southern California for a fraction of the price. And in all my years of searching, it wasn't in Latin America and it wasn't in Europe, but I found it here in Thailand. So if you are like me, if you are in the same boat, and I am a seven figure earner, if you are in the same boat, then please subscribe to my podcast. Listen to my episodes. Because we have more in common than you may think. You know, one of the worst things that, and, and I didn't realize this too, I was, in my financial institution I worked for, I was one of the youngest promoted managers as an area sales manager for basically almost two states. And here I am in my late 20s, walking into a meeting of VPs, SVPs. I mean, these people have been in this banking industry for 20, 30, 40 years. All that, they're lifers. And here I am training them. And at that time, it was very intimidating because I was a young buck coming in and they, they couldn't take me seriously. And it's just like any industry, when you're young and you come in, 
older generation be like, you're just some young punk, you don't know anything. But obviously over time I proved myself through sales numbers, through performance. I wasn't just walking a walk. I talked to talk, or not just talking to talk, I walked a walk. I proved them with sales numbers, proved them with performance, proved them with support for their branches. I showed them what I can do. When it comes down to finances, I'm not talking about traders. I'm not talking about these young traders that are uh, game stoppers, that are making a lot of money day trading. I'm talking about true investors. You have to pay attention to the ones that are older, the ones that have suffered through market fluctuations, through crashes, through bear markets and bull markets, because those people are the tried and proven veterans. Those are the people that you should be listening to. How does a person in their 20s and 30s understand what a person that's close to retirement going through? They don't. They, they really don't. So like I says, pick and choose who you're listening to. And one of the worst places to go for any type of retirement advice is Facebook groups. There are just a bunch of freaking knuckleheads there. Just absolute zeros. The majority of them are men and they're just whoremongers and they're just the just complete trash. Those groups are not the ones that you want to take any sort of real estate advice, financial advice, retirement advice. It's okay to just get general information if you're typing up, how do I apply for retirement visa? Uh, what are the requirements for this and this? You can get general information like that, but when I see people saying, so I'm thinking about buying some investment real estate, some commercial real estate, uh, any suggestions out there? I look at the comments, I'm like, these are just freaking knuckleheads. And I look at, and then some of the comments, I look at these people's profile, they have nothing to do with real estate. They're like, I don't know, what's, what's very common with expats? They actually don't do anything. They actually don't do anything. Zero real estate experience, zero finance experience. So just be very cautious. So again, I hope you found this to be helpful. Uh, today my wife and off, we're off to uh, to the city. Uh, we're gonna head over to one of our favorite Japanese restaurants and then uh, do some shopping uh, because we're we'll heading off to the beach again this weekend. Thailand, uh, just a quick recap. Uh, Thailand, it's gorgeous. It's getting hotter. Uh, Songkran is right around the corner. So April is the hottest time of the month or hottest time of the year. Uh, Songkran is our Thai New Year. It's one of the, it's a huge and giant celebration here. Definitely looking forward to that. Add that to your checklist because Songkran is the world's largest water fight. And I, I hope, but I, we haven't heard any word that the Thai government is going to cancel that. So we're hoping that the festivities are still going to be here. And here is a word of good news too. The Thai government, due to the many, many mistakes that TAT, Tourism Authority Thailand, has made over the last two years for entry into this country, they have finally realized that they need to ease restrictions. So Thailand finally is looking at, number one, if you're going to come to this country, you just need to... What is it? Uh, you don't need the PCR test. It's the ATK test. 
Uh, so it's a quick test and go. You don't have to do one day, one night of quarantine. So that hopefully should roll in, I think, by April 1st. So it's coming around the corner. And then what they're talking about is in June or July, maybe in July 1st, of completely eliminating all restrictions and all tests for entry into the country. I am knocking on wood that hope that happens uh, because what we're expecting, what the developers based on their market studies are expecting is that when Thailand opens this country to every single person, whether you're test, whether you've taken a vaccination or not, and then maybe just with a simple ATK test, we are going to be flooded again. Bangkok, once more, will be the top destination in the world for travel. Thailand will be on one of the top places to travel, but most of all, we're going to find more and more people wanting to move here, especially the Chinese, the mainland Chinese, people from Hong Kong, people from India. And if you're not aware, the Russian demographic or Russians have always come to Thailand. And actually, places like Pattaya, you will find a lot of Russian restaurants, a lot of a big Russian community. You actually find Russian writing on some of these restaurants. And we feel that a lot of Russians will be moving here. Uh, so on top of that are going to be folks from UK, Australia, and also right now, one of the top demographics looking to move to Thailand are Americans. So it's about time, Americans, that you guys saw the light and start, uh, start coming here to paradise. So that's what we're expecting. And for anyone out there that is looking at real estate, uh, like I said, now's a great time to buy. There are some great deals out there. Uh, people are willing to negotiate because we're still kind of in pandemic pricing. This is only for residential real estate. Commercial real estate, nobody's budging. It's still the same prices prior pandemic, no deals. But if you are looking for a hotel, uh, let me know. But right now, there are some great deals. Uh, listen to some of my podcasts about some unique homes. Uh, some of the things that I do like is branded hotels on the beach. Uh, these are selling out quickly. The ones that have sold out, there are some resales. And again, it's like living in a resort. And uh, here in Bangkok, there are some unique properties. Uh, there's a developer building brownstones, like the brownstones you see in New York, three to four stories with an elevator starting a million dollars. We have some other developers on the luxury condo front uh, that are implementing Japanese onsen day spa-like amenities into the building. Could you imagine that? It's like, to me, some of these developers that are building these ultra-luxury buildings that are uh, specific developers here in Thailand, to me, are building better and more quality amenities than your Ritz-Carlton or your Mandarin Oriental. Better. And they're about 25 to 35% less than those. So if you're interested in those, those usually start at a million dollars for one bedroom. But that's about it. And I, and I wish everyone lots of luck. If you have any questions, my contact information is on here. Or if you want to know my background, head over to LinkedIn, type up Will Roadhouse. You'll find all of my background information and also my contact information. We'll see you in Thailand.